0: Start 898160.27. We're back with another live stream episode of Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of smart, kinda funny podcast covering brand new Star Trek and sometimes old Star Trek, like yeah. today. <laughs> I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen is
1: Mariah Gossett,
0: Clyde Haynes, and Grant Davis. <clears throat> This week, we are continuing our prep for Lower Decks with a review and discussion of the Voyager episode, Good Shepherd. This is a Voyager's riff on the Lower Decks TNG episode that sees Janeway trying to connect with a few misfit junior Voyager crew members who seem to be slipping through the cracks. Yeah. Whose idea was it to watch this episode again?
1: uh obviously mine because i was in charge of the rundown for the week (laughs) (laughs) and we needed something to watch um and i thought this would be super fun
0: cool 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 why do we why do we watch it just because it was fun
1: well one it's voyager um and then two because i know not all of you agree with me about voyager uh i think it's going to be very (laughs) informative (laughs) I think it's going to be very informative as we move into Lower Decks. Um, You know, It is about three junior crew members who are trying to figure themselves out. Um, However, in Voyager's case, they are not still connected to Starfleet, so you don't really have any other choices. You can't leave the ship. You can't uh, try to get another assignment. So it is a unique sort of bubble, uh, bottle episode, if you will. Um, And I think it's a good way to learn a little bit about um, how Starfleet deals with its its problems with crew members as they're learning to have more self confidence.
0: Cool, cool, cool. I remember now. Yes, <laughs> makes sense. You're We're welcome. also going to chat about some of the virtual Trek Comic Con panels that streamed this week. I think most of them streamed today, right, earlier today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but before we dive into all that, Grant, could you tell us? Could you tell everyone how they can support this little here pod? Uh, yes, I can through Patreon.com/slash/Star
2: Trek Pod. Go there and make your per episode pledge. Give us two bucks an episode, and you will be admitted into our super exclusive Skull and Bones, crazy, creepy cult society. That's Red Squad Slack. It's you Red go squad. to Slack and chat with all of us and fellow Trekkie fans about everything Trek. We also try to do occasional uh, exclusive content just for the patrons. So you want to get in on that action, um, make sure to go ahead and sign up, because we are, in addition to talking about um, some of the old Genesis movies, we just have moved into doing reviews of the Kelvin Universe episodes. We just did our first one, in fact, of the 2009 reboot of Star Trek. It was a lot of fun. I think we all enjoyed that movie quite a bit, so... Uh, It's going to be quite a contrast between that discussion and what we're talking about tonight. Um, You guys should check that out. (laughs) Uh, Wait for the hot breaks. Yeah, you can, um, you can listen to a lot of, uh, we're going to be doing more of those episodes, but you can listen to our back catalog too. So you should just totally get in on that and support a podcast. That's talking about everything that you love about Trek. We review all the TV shows, um, every, uh, every uh, new show that's coming out. And uh, I think, I think we would love to have you guys join us. So once again, that is patreon.com slash Star Trek pod.
3: And you know, it's really exciting. We've been having a great time kind of during the break talking about everything Trek, looking back at a bunch of kind of older shows and episodes that make a lot of sense. But what's really exciting is that very soon we're going to have brand new Trek to talk about. So I just want to remind you, yes, in two weeks in August, we will start covering Star Trek Lower Decks weekly when the show premieres. Um, You'll be able to watch the live stream reviews on Thursday nights um, at 9 p.m. Central on YouTube. And you should subscribe to the pod, subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and check us out at StarTrekPod.co, StarTrekPod.co
0: and if you're watching us live tonight on youtube, twitter, twitch or facebook, please participate in that live chat. And if you have a comment or a question you want us to address later on during the pod, just type the word pod in all caps before your comment so we can see it. Okay, before we dive into this Voyager episode, let's talk about the virtual Comic-Con. We got a full we got a few um, cool headlines from Comic-Con today. Not not much in the way of release dates uh, for no. all the shows that we're anticipating, uh, but we did get a new show announcement. <laughs>
2: of course, we did. <laughs> Rather than give us <laughs> I, the shows we're waiting I, for, I'm trying to do the
1: count because the six, six right. Okay, because I, I was like during the science panel today, Aaron, uh, Dr. Aaron, uh, said she was in six writers' room d- mm-hmm. rooms doing science consulting. That's so many rooms. <laughs>
0: yeah uh what disco picard lower decks strange new worlds um section 31 prodigy Prodigy, Prodigy. and maybe section 31
1: uh did we say yeah we said picard so yeah then section 31 yeah yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah, so the new show that was announced and i guess they will announce another one today and a few more the next day (laughs) um the cg animated series star trek prodigy and it's being developed by kevin and dan hageman who made troll hunters and ninjago
2: ninjago
1: ninjago ninjago okay ninjago (laughs) ninjago
0: and it's uh it's being targeted for a 2021 launch on nickelodeon to show apparently revolves around a group of teens who take over an old starfleet vessel and go on fun adventures and it's reportedly being made for a younger audience you know for the kids the kids get them all. Uh,
2: the you know, Here's the thing. I'm going to end up watching this anyway, because my kids are going to end up watching this. So we might as well discuss it. Yeah. Why not? I'm,
1: I mean, they're going to be like, what, 20 minutes. Like all kids shows are like 15, 20 minutes or something. Yeah,
0: we'll do a little 30 minute probably. Pod.
1: Yeah. Be little, little short tricks.
0: <laughs> I think it's great. I, There's never been a Star Trek kids show before, has there? It's always been adult content. I mean, not adult content.
1: Right. I think the animated, the original animated series played during Saturday morning cartoons. So that was definitely geared more towards kids, but, you know. But the tone
0: is just so deadpan on that show. It's definitely not for kids.
1: I don't think kids enjoyed it. No. Mm -mm.
3: (laughs) No, no, kids definitely did not enjoy that.
1: Um, yeah, I watched the full Trek panel today. It was great. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. And when I saw how deep the lineup was, I was like, I don't know how they're going to accomplish all this in an hour and 20 minutes, but they did a really great job. Um, so it started out with, um, you know, an interview with, um, Kurtzman um, and another producer, and I'm blanking, but I will look it up, but they were sort of giving us a little bit of the, the behind-the-scenes of Strange New Worlds, essentially saying at last year's Comic-Con, they'd already started talking about it, so mm-hmm. they were well aware that the fandom was into this, and so the writer's room has been assembled. Um, they're still working on it. They do not have a production date set yet, which means we really don't have an idea of when that's going to be uh, coming on. After that, they Uh, Gave us the graphic for Star Trek Prodigy um, and told us a little bit about that show. And then finally, we went into a table read, um, which is also a fundraiser for the NAACP's Legal Defense and Education Fund, which is great. And tomorrow, um, so during the panel, they only did act one of the read through. But um, tomorrow on CBS's site, they're going to release the full episode uh, of the table read.
0: That was Discovery, right?
1: Yeah. Discovery. It was, um, the part two of the finale from season two.
0: So was everybody there? The entire cast? It was,
1: um, it was almost the whole cast. Yeah. Yeah. Almost the whole cast zoomed in. It was all of the major bridge crew, all our like headlining cast, except for Ash Tyler was not, uh, able to be there. And then, um, but they had, um, uh, Michelle paradise doing some of the extra uh, characters as well oh. as uh, um, the director of the episode. Nice. Y'all,
2: can you explain something to me? Mm-hmm. What is the appeal of a table read?
1: So normally, I'm on that train. I do think it's kind of fun to see um, animated shows do table reads because you don't get to normally see the actors doing it. So, I like, can see I've, that. I've enjoyed table reads um, that have been going on right now for fundraisers and stuff during COVID. Um, But I will say Discovery was very clever in this table read in that it did some cuts back and forth to the visual effects being built for all of the space scenes. So as they were describing them, you got to see the like layers appear about how all the visual effects were done. They had never before seen um, panel drawings that were done for the episode, as well as some like behind the scenes of like how they made the suit look like it morphed onto her body. And like, it was really cool. They made okay. it very interactive. There were sound effects. They had like full sound effects the whole time. It was really cool. That
2: does sound cool. Like, I, cause I know like uh, Scott Pilgrim, I think recently did one. And that mm-hmm. seems kind of appealing to me in so much as like, it's going to be a whole bunch of very comedic people trying to one up each other in a way to make them laugh. But like in something that's a little bit more dramatic, it's almost like a toned down version of what I got to see a much better version of already elsewhere right. when they did the
0: final <laughs> production. So I'm like,
2: I, awesome. I never really want to see table reads. Well, well Grant, yeah. they had,
0: they had nothing else to deliver to us in yeah. terms of discovery. <laughs> that's what um, it was like. There's no season three date announcement. There's right. no art to show. There's no clips to show. Um,
1: so, weird, so I think it's pretty right? cool that they got they together they and show did this us a clip. I thought cool, they were yeah. going to show us a clip, but I will say it was fun seeing Doug Jones act sans makeup. And he like mm. fully delivered all his lines. Um, Tignataro laughed through most of the read, which is also <laughs> very funny. And they all died at yum, yum.
2: <laughs> oh, because <laughs>
1: they also did not have the actress who plays, uh, commander non. And so the, um, uh, the director of the episode had to read the line and they all just died. So
2: <laughs> yum, yum. I forgot then, about the worst then, line ever.
1: <laughs> and then Michelle Yo. So great. Michelle Yo, honestly, it looked like she wasn't even looking at her script. She was just like straight to camera the entire time. Looked like it was all coming from memory. Boss. And during the QA, someone started talking and then Michelle Yo started, and they're like, oh no, 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 you go. Like it's you. <laughs> like, you're Michelle Yo. Like <laughs>
3: Grant, um, I actually uh, recently had an opportunity to participate in in kind of helping a table read, and it's it is very different. Like, yes, you do have the like it, it's not like a show show with costumes and sets and and everything. It's more like theater. So, and to Mike's point, like w- right now you don't have a whole lot, but if you like theater, I- if you like live, you don't like theater. Um, and it, and I remember like when. Are we live? Remember when oh, we God. are live. Oh, Do you remember when doing like a live episode in front of a studio audience was kind of like a thing? Like mm-hmm. it just periodically they were like, this episode is going to be live. A table read is kind of like that. Anything and everything can happen and that just makes it a little interesting. It's kind of fun right. to watch. Right. Yeah. Um, we also I had uh, oh, I
1: wasn't done yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to just mention, you go. Sorry. You go. You go. <laughs> Y'all told me you wanted me to talk about this tonight. So I went in. Um, so when the CBS, Michelle, Yeo,
2: Mariah wants to talk, we shut up.
3: <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
1: Um. So oh. when they were talking about how the rest of the table read will go on CBS tomorrow. um, for So Friday for folks who are listening to this, um, it will be online and there will be extra scenes that were not in the full episode as well as some other bonus stuff. So there is a little bit of a draw to go watch the whole thing. Plus it's a fundraiser. Um, so I would definitely check that out. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, Mike, we then moved into lower decks,
0: lower decks. We saw the, uh, the first scene from the premiere episode with a uh, Tony Newsom's Romulan whiskey addled Ensign Beckett Mariner makes fun of Ensign Brad. Is it Bomler, played by Playmore. Jack Quaid? Yeah. OK, mm-hmm. when she catches him recording his his own captain's log. This mm-hmm. was pretty hilarious. Did you guys get to see this scene? What did you think?
1: Did you guys see it? I, I mean, I, saw I only it.
2: saw the the little snippet in the actual trailer The trailer. So yeah, yeah. This, the it extended.
0: was extended. It, it was really funny. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's cute it's funny you can definitely feel the personality and i think the tone that they're looking for just like when it ended i was really sad i was like oh Mm -hmm. i want to watch this whole episode so they definitely pull you in with like a big shock moment right at the top um and then the q a with the cast was very funny i'm assuming for comedic effect they said y'all can talk about whatever you want and then they just bleeped out all spoilers um which was like you're trying to like read lips for what they're saying, like <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it I think it's gonna be really fun and quirky. All the voice actors are hilarious. Um, and you can definitely see that this is gonna be like a much lighter, light hearted show for the most part.
0: Yeah, that clip was like packed with jokes. Just this show is gonna be really funny. And there were jokes at work. I was laughing out loud. And just like you, Mariah, I didn't want it to end. When it ended, even before that little cliffhanger that they showed us, that I actually got emotionally invested in it, which I didn't think I was going to. I was like, oh, I want to see more. But it's it's uh, premiering August 8th, right?
1: Uh, s- I think it's August maybe? 8th. Yeah. Six. Someday. Sixth. The Thursday. Six.
0: Someday in August the 6th. Mm-hmm. And we'll be here uh, to cover it live. That'll yes. be fun. Uh, we learned very little about Picard season two during the panel other than the season is currently being written. There's some oh pre-production God. taking place. Uh, Mariah, I defer to you once again for any highlights about Picard.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was fun because es- like, essentially all of the new cast were just like... You know the the question being like, oh, what got you interested in wanting to be on this? And they're all like, uh, Patrick Stewart, and then <laughs> not uh, the
2: script. It was Patrick Stewart. It was
1: Patrick Stewart, and then Marina uh, Sirtis just kept reading patrick stewart for filth and it was hilarious the entire time like anytime people kept complimenting him she was just like you all have to stop we had finally trained him by the end of tng to be a humble human stop this right now and they had silly stupid nicknames um that they kept coming up for him um he's like i just got used to being referred to as uh you know Pat Stu, Sir Stu, like all this stuff but they all have like initials that they use for him, which I'm wondering SPS, SPS, which I'm wondering if that influences how they also call him by his initials on the show JL. Mm. Like, so I'm wondering if that's like something that the writers oh. sort of put in <laughs> as a joke for all of them. Um, but yeah, the panel was, was good. You know, it was Picard's panel was definitely, I think the shortest of all of them for this. Um, they essentially were just like, yeah, we had fun revisiting our characters. We never thought we'd really be back here as far as like, you know, Marina and Frakes and their thoughts on, on coming back to play these iconic characters. Um, and then all the new folks were just super, super stoked to be there. Um, and uh, yeah. What, was was Allison Pill there? Allison Pill was there. Okay. She's
0: the one who gave him the nickname SPS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I'm, I hope she's doing okay. She's been working a lot. She got she did the uh, Scott Pilgrim table read, and now this one. You know, I hope she's all I right.
2: Mean, we We've like you, zoom you calls are in love and, with Alison Pill.
1: That's two <laughs> Zoom calls in comparison to shooting like 10 episode arcs of television. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still, you know, I feel for her. Our hearts go out to Alison Our hearts Pell. go out to <laughs> Alison <go> Pill.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. I mean, well, go ahead. All- Oh, no, I was just gonna say, of everyone, I think Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz are the ones I see on panels mm. all the time, as well mm-hmm. as Mary Chifo. Mary Chifo is on Twitter, like promoting a panel that she's on like every other day. She also, when they were welcoming the cast, uh, greeted in Klingon and everyone went crazy.
0: Of oh man, course. she dives into it, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay.
2: Uh no. If y'all let's keep talking about Comic Con stuff. <laughs>
0: If you all if everyone in the live chat, um, if you guys want to mention anything else about the Comic-Con panels, please do. But now let's dive into Voyager's Good Shepherd. This is episode 20 of season six. Episode 20. Wow. Um, Directed by Diana. Written by Diana Guido and Joe Minoski. Directed by Winrich Colby. Mm -hmm. So I'll just set the stage for this one. Similar to TNG's Lower Decks. Uh, this episode is about three young, inexperienced crew members, but unlike the lower decks episode, these aren't like ambitious ladder climbers. These are like misfits. Uh, these are voyagers, like screw ups, and their performances on the ship are either lacking or they just don't gel with the rest of the crew. and And uh, I think it's seven of nine who points this out when she's trying to make everybody efficient, she's like, these three fuckers, I don't know. Um, <laughs>
2: that, and that, that was <laughs> verbatim. Yeah.
0: That's, right. that's what she said. That was in the
3: script.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. They had to bleep it out just like the, uh, the give lower deck panel read for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Janeway realizes that these guys have never been on an away mission. So she decides to try bonding with them and to hopefully bring them closer into the flock by assigning them to an away mission that she's companioning. Uh, that she's commanding on the Delta flyer, then some Star Trek bullshit. Ha- then some Star Trek bullshit happens that puts them all in danger, forcing them to work together, coming to terms with their limitations, their potential, and eventually resolving uh, nothing at all. Since this episode <laughs> ends quite abruptly with little to no resolution <laughs> uh, for these new characters' arcs, so did we so, watch we the have same
1: episode?
0: <laughs> Time for some hot breaks. <laughs> hot freaks. All right. Y'all uh,
1: are going uh, first because I got to hear what this listen, nonsense is.
0: <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater. I actually liked uh, a lot of this episode. I like the idea of the episode. I I recognize that at certain points in my life, like I've been able to identify with some of these junior officers in this episode and like their struggles, especially the uh, the Bajoran woman, Celeste, I think is her name. Uh, She feels wow. like really out of her depth in astro, astrometrics. So I've, I've definitely felt that in the workplace before. And Heron, who acts like an arrogant prick to everyone who doesn't recognize just how brilliant he is. It's all my early 20s. And I think that's what the writers want, right? They want the viewers to identify with these characters. And um, we're like the the outsiders looking in. And these characters are the outsiders looking in to the the leaders of the ship as well so that works even if these characters are pretty thinly drawn i was able to kind of relate to them uh i really like janeway in this episode i think kate mulgrew is actually for kate mulgrew pretty understated in this episode uh she can be a very broad actor and that's just part of the fun of watching voyager um but I like her leadership style in this episode, taking these folks under her wing and showing them a lot of grace and patience. And when some of them don't really seem to deserve any grace grace or patience, um, she keeps her cool. And in true Star, Star Trek fashion, uh, she's a great role model in this episode. I like that a lot. The rest of the episode is fine. It's in... Uh, <laughs> It's an entertaining episode of Voyager. That what? opening sequence with the pad making its way from the command to the butt of the ship is pretty cool. Uh, the scenes with, did you guys know that was Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine? No,
2: I knew they
3: lingered no. on a dude for a hella weird long time. Yeah, I w- it was kind of weird. expecting him to be a main, like, lower deck character.
0: Yeah, I thought it was kind of weird. It's a scene where um, Janeway is going down to meet the um, the arrogant guy, and she she's lost, and he gives him directions the guy who gives her directions is tom morello from rage against the machine cuz he's a huge star trek fan so he wanted a cameo but if you don't know that the scene is just odd and you expect oh, hey, him bye, to hey, continue hey. in the episode how are you tom fine <laughs> yeah good
2: bye <laughs>
3: i was like what was that That's very weird
0: i had forgotten that was him and i was like why are they lingering on on him <laughs> and then oh yeah i i looked it up uh this was actually his second I think his second time in Star Trek, he was in the Insurrection movie. Um, but yeah, uh, this episode ends up, for me, ends. Up, it's I like a lot of it, but it ends up being disappointing because it just ends so abruptly and none of these misfit crew members really get a chance to credibly resolve any of their issues. It just kind of ends once the thread is over. Um, but in terms of like preparing us for Lower Decks, I do... I do like this one because it shows us the perspective of Lower Decks crew members who really aren't up to the challenge. Unlike the TNG one, uh, which showed us people who are just ready to climb the ladder. And it, that one ends up much more tragic than this one does. So it just this one just gives us another perspective. And I think this one might actually relate to Lower Decks a little more because some of the characters in Lower Decks seem like misfits, like these guys.
2: Uh, I'll go next because Mm
1: -hmm. I'm going to go last and read you all for filth. Like Marina.
3: (laughs) I haven't heard this expression. You you don't know that I don't love it. Mariah. That's true. I haven't heard this expression.
2: Read you for filth. I'm (laughs) guessing it means talk trash.
1: Yes. I've been watching an insane amount of drag race and legendary on HBO. So it has infiltrated my brain. You can't
0: just drop that on the uninitiated.
1: I feel very unreal,
0: you're the only Gen Z
1: I am a millennial. representative here. Thank you.
0: You're the only Gen Y Z Q.
1: I was born in the eighties, okay.
3: <laughs> All right, let's,
1: uh, <laughs> let's go. What's your hot freak? Here's- Tell me how much you hated it. It's fine.
3: As Clive Strokes is weird.
2: I've <laughs> when I've been apprehensive about watching old Star Trek shows, I've had it in my mind. That they would come across as budget and corny, a la Hercules or Xena or what was the um, Babylon Five? Or I am
1: devastated right now um, that you just what's... made fun of Hercules and Xena.
2: Oh yeah, let me keep going. Um, Stargate SG. Hey 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 Who else can I? Too far. Too far. Anyway, Cleopatra
0: twenty-five twenty-five this episode lives up to all
2: of my fears of what a corny ass episode with a budget background and, and acting that it, it seems like no one cared. <laughs> it seems like no one cared about this episode and they were all phoning in their lines. And the, the three people who should have cared are all so uncharismatic. I don't know if it's written that way or those actors were just bottom of the barrel, whatever they picked, but I don't like those characters. <laughs> I'm not rooting for any of those three <laughs> to, to to overcome their their deficiencies, I guess, in that regard. And I don't know. I just was underwhelmed throughout this episode. It is, it, it just was a, a completely different episode than what we watched with the TNG one with the lower decks like that one. I felt I felt risk. I felt um, this interesting dynamic and this kind of split screen between the the world of these people versus the, the other people and uh, the people in the command, I guess, up top. I don't know. I, I was pretty underwhelmed by this whole episode.
3: All right. Hot I'll say. That's a good hot freak, Grant, actually. Um, and I'm probably not gonna disagree with some of what you said, except for that diatribe nonsense about Stargate. Um <laughs> that, <laughs> I just never
2: really watched Stargate, so to be fair, I might be. I have the
1: box you. set if you want to borrow it. I, nope. I,
3: right. Um <laughs> <Me too. laughs> So So here's the thing that I keep trying to figure out what are we doing, right? So you've got three <laughs> people who have seen Copious amounts of track. And then we've got one person who's seen very little. Okay. And we keep picking episodes that don't highlight the best of the catalog. Hey, so, we saw
0: far beyond the stars.
3: Which was great. Yeah. A great win. Um, and so this one started out, you know, I was telling you guys earlier, I think I had too much expectation on this. And I don't know where it came from. But I just kind of built it up like this is going to be a great episode. So I was super excited to watch it. And I actually thought it started out really strong. Uh, Mike, as you mentioned, that whole montage with the handing of the pad, I thought that was really done really well. And I thought what we were getting were snippets of the new people. And it was going to be done in this really kind of cool way. And then it just started to fall apart a little bit. Also something that you said, my thin characters, right? Like it, I, I'm used to these more three-dimensional characters. When we talk about TNG, we saw these these characters that seem to be ha- have a little bit more drive and, and they were part of the fabric. And I expect a lot from Voyager because Voyager has this crew that has this Uh, somewhat of an elegant backstory that provides tension, right? You've got the Maquis, you've got Starfleet, they've had to come together. And that has been the backbone of a show where people used to not like each other. And through the seven seasons, they, they've had relationships and they've gotten together. But now we get this glimpse. I was expecting a lot more kind of well-roundedness and characters that I can like. Now, for me to say that I didn't love um, Heron, I have to take into account that, yes, this was the boy who could fly. And yes, mm. this was the main character in Not Quite Human, a <laughs> novel series that I loved as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, the TV show was a little whack, but uh, or the movies were a little bit whack. But I did, so I was, I always root for this guy, I don't know why. Um, but the just the characters were so hard to root for. Um, I think the best thing about this was I was rooting for Janeway as this coach. And this idea that Janeway was going to be the coach that very few other captains have been. She was going to be hands-on was exciting to me in the beginning. Um, but it just... At some point you go, man, how did these, how did these three end up on the ship? And can you drop them off somewhere? Maybe I, I actually started thinking, could you reassign them? Maybe they should be reassigned. Clyde. Can
2: I yes. follow up on that real quick? Sure. Here's what I don't understand. This is, was this the fifth or sixth season?
0: Second to the last. This is the
2: sixth season and it took Janeway until this (laughs) long to identify people who have been stranded on this ship. Like how much time has passed between those seasons that she's neglected these people who are flailing in their jobs and feeling like listless and hopeless. I mean,
0: to be fair, to be fair, that was the episode was somewhat credible in setting that up. By having seven of nine point that out because seven of nine has been established as a character who points out every single I inefficiency
2: product manager yeah.
0: to a fault <laughs> so yeah th- i mean that was credible to me as a as a star trek fan i i don't know i it just seemed kind of
2: weird to me and one of the biggest problems i had m- my handicap is i don't know the, with the, the exception of Janeway, Kate Mulgrew, I don't know any of this other cast. I don't know who was a main character and who was supposed um, to be one of these like, lower of underlings. So all <laughs> yeah. these people talking, I was like, I don't know who that is. Is that supposed to be one of these lower deck people?
0: Yeah. No, I, do I wanna, guess
2: not, but they seem like they're new to this show.
0: <laughs> I do want to address the idea that we ha- maybe haven't given Grant, who's new to Trek, the best old episodes yeah. to watch. But the reason... um obviously we've been p- picking these episodes is because they relate to what's going on in so the bad. franchise now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what, what have you seen? You've seen lower decks. You've seen this. This was my first Voyager episode.
2: For, I don't yeah. know this. Cast. I got to
1: make you a Voyager list, but yeah, I haven't had my hot take yet.
3: Well, so and I've got, it. A, I got, hold up. I'm, I wasn't actually right. done. Everybody jumped in. I will say <laughs> um, there were a couple moments that I did think shine um, and one of my favorites was really this this idea where Celeste said, I'm not a part of Voyager, I just live there. Mm-hmm. And that was this moment where it was like, Wow, we should really jump in and explore this more. This idea that do you not fit in? Like, you know, this is a place where you live and you can't like to the point, you're in the Delta Quadrant, so you can't just like leave. I, I thought that there was an opportunity to pull on that a little bit more, but I love that line because if you do feel like an outsider and I thought, you know, the other thing was her character had this, this uh, imposter syndrome that I think we all deal with at a time. And so that was the character that was like, wow, there's so much there that you can, you can actually mine for gold at an opportunity. If Heron wasn't so distracting, to the point where you're like, you've been on this ship for six years and you're still a jackass, like to the captain constantly. Like, how how? Just shoot um, him into space. It, it that was the thing. I thought there was a, there was an opportunity, a couple missed opportunities for some really fascinating storyline. I agree. I yield my time to Mariah.
1: All right. I had some points with Clyde that I would agree on, that there are more interesting plot points that could have been explored. However, I do think all three of these characters present interesting archetypes when thought of against the main characters. So I can see where Grant is coming from, and that is hard to understand that if you've never seen any other episodes of Voyager, cause we really set it up in the beginning. We have seven of nine who is the ultimate productivity Borg queen. We get the moment when Torres and, and seven have their little like, you know, a uh, squabble, you know, cause Torres gets to call her the, what is the Borg queen want now? Because she has to deal with essentially all of her advice of how to make their ship more efficient so that they can get out of the Delta quadrant. And, um, we get the big meeting where she's going over how everyone's doing and so we see her say like essentially everyone's doing okay i've isolated it to these three people um and i like the moment when she also tells tuvok that he's essentially perfect almost like (laughs) she still found like a small knit to pick with him because she knew she couldn't leave it (laughs) the vulcans couldn't have everything um and even, and
0: even he's like whatever
1: Whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, But we see all of these people's commanding officers know they're the problem kids and they've renegated them to these sort of nonchalant areas because everyone is still stuck on this ship. Torres is like I can't deal with this, Uh, I can't deal with Tal because she is, all of her reports are wrong. So I put her on the night shifts because I know I have to review all of her reports again. And then we get the hypochondriac who's always dealing with the the doctor. And the doctor's like, oh, I know he is the the gum on my shoe. And then we get Mortimer, who is just sent down to the barracks because no one can fucking stand him. And that's the way these characters are built. And I think then once we get on the ship with Janeway on the Delta Flyer, you know, Janeway is feeling this sense of responsibility that she's always had for this crew, like putting her crew above everything has always been a theme of this show because they have ended up in this precarious situation where they cannot go home. And so she knows that this is bad. And so these are sort of like, this is literally the bottom of the list. She has shepherded everyone else to do well to the point where they are so efficient. And now she's like, okay, okay, all of my other leaders have tried with these people It is now my responsibility to try it out with them. And I think we see character growth from all of them. You know, Mortimer eventually tries to be selfless and to, to sacrifice himself at the end of the episode, like the ultimate sacrifice because he knows he's a dick and all of his research has gone down the barrel. So why not? And then Tal and Billy have to sort of step up to the plate. Billy faces his ultimate fear in that he does have a creature living inside of him and he has to get over it and like work to fix this situation that they're in. Are there issues with these weird matter-based creatures that come in that then all of a sudden look like bugs and we don't see what they look like on the outside? <laughs> yes. But don't all Star Trek, old Star Trek episodes have weird science-y things that somehow don't make 100% complete sense Absolutely. But was it a plot point to help us get from A to B? I think so. Also, Janeway is great and perfect, and you can't tell me otherwise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I did really enjoy Janeway in this. But uh, to your point, and I I agree with a lot of what you said, but to the point of how these characters grew, um, it could have gotten there. But it didn't feel credible that all of a sudden Mortimer is willing to risk his life. like. And he does that right before Janeway gives everybody the uh, the option to beam the hell out of there and get away from the danger. And he's the only one who takes it. And throughout the entire episode, like that tracks that he'd be like, "I'm the only one going." And then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, he's willing to risk himself. That that didn't feel organic to the character or the plot. And definitely didn't. No. And then he he wanted to go back to his
2: fucking eight chan. (laughs) it was <laughs> like message board and just be a dick continually.
0: Yeah, it was like oh we're getting to the end we got to re- redeem this guy s- somehow let's press the redeem button. Um and then um the hypochondriac uh, same thing. It was like something um a, a third party came in and changed him. He didn't really have his own growth. You know, and the third party was a little alien worm. Okay. And then um the, the one that was really compelling was Celeste, the Bajoran. I really like the idea that she, she gets it. She gets that she has to study harder than everybody else because maybe she's not up to snuff as everyone else. She is a credible, average person who is smart but is not this problem-solving genius like everyone else on the ship, and she's realizing that. And um, as... Some of the characters said earlier, some of the um, main characters on the show, hey, sometimes people in Starfleet and on ships, they wash out. And maybe a couple of these are washouts, but they can't be because we're trapped away. Um, We're trapped in a Delta Quadrant and we're the only Starfleet personnel out here. So they have to stay on the ship. They've been on here for six years. Uh, They probably would have washed out in year one, but they're still here. And that makes sense for Celeste. And I do like that she has that self-awareness. And she doesn't express it in a way in which she's breaking down or feeling overly dramatic about it. She's just really upfront with herself and, and with Janeway about who she is. I thought that was a pretty particularly strong moment uh, in this episode. Um, but And then Janeway says, well, maybe there's another um, position for you on the ship. Everybody has talents. We'll figure yours out. And then that doesn't go anywhere. Celeste is just like, maybe I can be a waitress. I don't know, and that's kind of a joke. And then it, you don't leave this this episode thinking Celeste is going to find her way, which I I found uh, very underwhelming. And with the other two, yeah, I, it, it it just doesn't feel earned or organic. And then the end, it just ends. And then we have this really goofy wrap wrap up that feels like overly written with Jane Way talking to Shikote about you know the good shepherd metaphor again but um again mike, lo- lots of good stuff in this episode but just really the ending felt rushed
2: mike didn't it feel a little bit insulting to for her to be like, Oh, I guess I could just be a waitress. And I was just thinking, <laughs> Yeah, no, you can't. <laughs> right. You do like, how dare you try and be like, Oh, at least I could do this skillless job. But like, no, you don't even seem to have the skill to be personable with people like it takes. Like, don't devalue someone else's job just because. You are having a a crisis moment with what you're doing, especially when yep. you have someone, you have the captain sitting there being encouraging to you. I don't know. I, I, I was a little bit, I was less sympathetic in that moment because it was in a crisis that she mm-hmm. also decided to have this kind of breakdown. And I was just like, man, poor Janeway. She got like, <laughs> like, like, oh we're dealing with whatever weirdness is going on out here. And now I also have to like, just take a break and like hold your hand because <laughs> I made my own bet and decided to take some untrained people who I knew were problems out, out here.
3: Well, Grant, I think part of the thing that I was struggling with uh, it aligned with what you're saying is that this isn't just like a training ship. This isn't just like, Oh, we're far from home. Like, this is a big deal. And so at this point, I guess my assumption about J- Voyager, and I think we see this with the, the command staff, the senior staff, is that everybody's motivated around this one common goal, getting home, right? So everybody has a part to play. There, There isn't a relief team coming to relieve you, right? There's there's none of that. So I definitely didn't it, really know that. <laughs> yes. But so for Celeste to be like, oh I just can't do anything. No, man. You have a part to play in getting us home. So, you know, pick yourself up, buckle up your chin strap, and let's go. Because everybody <laughs> has to pull their own weight. And so I guess that was a thing that I didn't see from all three of them is it it almost felt like they were passengers and not going like, hey it, I got to do everything I got to do to get home, to get yep. on to the rest of my life. They, it was just like, I'm just trying to wait wait it out.
1: I mean, but there are those people, I think, yes. you know, if, in college, there's plenty of those people who are like, I am showing up, but is in seats that I can get a D and pass because your GPA does not really matter as long as you get your piece of paper, right? Right. Um, and so I could see that from... You know, maybe Billy's character, who is the the kind of hypochondriac, um, and then I think Celeste is definitely the most empathetic character we get throughout all of this, and I think Janeway is trying to guide her into a correct you know, placement for her, something that's going to work for her, because she's obviously an extraordinarily hard worker. If she was willing to pull all nighters to make it through Starfleet, she's been pulling all nighters to try to get her reports up to date, you know, like the drive is there. It's just a skill set isn't. And so it's like, what is the skill set that would bring you joy that that sort of can occur within this world? And, you know, while we all sort of disagree on these character arcs and is it the strongest episode of Voyager? Absolutely not. But um, I do think we get to see Janeway's leadership style a little bit differently from a lot of other episodes. Usually it's that overly brave, overly um, sort of leap before you think about it in some aspects, you know, she sort of has Chakotay to sort of bounce back and forth with. He's a little bit more, of uh, someone who wants to think through options rather than be too um, trigger happy. And and I think Janeway, in this moment and in this episode, we really get to see her try to show the, the many values of Starfleet. Like, yes, this is a creepy worm that just jumped out of your neck, but no, we should not kill it because it's probably, it might be trying to communicate with us and we need mm. to see what happens. Because... We can probably fix whatever it is doing to this computer. Like, I have faith in myself and the skill set available to me to be able to fix this. And so she can clearly see everyone's talents. It's just trying to, like, whether it's fix your bad personality or get you over your fear. You know, it's like we had the three options, right? It's someone who's hardworking without the skills, someone with the skill set who's not hardworking, and then someone who is so, uh, frightened by everything that they're incapacitated to, to come to potential. And so even if the characters don't come to like a great ending at the end of this episode, I think we're able to walk away with these lessons of like, don't let fear hold you back. Don't let, you know, getting the bad grade hold you back. Don't let not having friends hold you back. You know, these are the three things we're trying to sort of pass on to the audience.
0: I like were, that. It's a good point. Yeah, me too. They were, they're definitely trying to do that, but I, You know, it just didn't really land. Uh, And you forgot about the the fourth crew member who wasn't doing a good job because he was too busy raging against the machine uh, with his friends. I mean, he's
1: doing a good job of raging. (laughs) (laughs) doing a great job of raging.
0: They rally around your family with a pocket full of Photons.
2: Oh boy! Hey, oh boy. Uh, people are mentioning Neelix in the comments, and I have yes. to know: is that the Guy Fieri lizard that was going on in the like the kitchen? What was that thing? What was that
0: dude? Show yes. show your picture of the crew, and I'll yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, 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 I have to go.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: Neelix is the mostly purpley orange paletted person who is in the uh, ah. Yeah, the one with the the purple and the teal. The one right <laughs>
0: behind
3: Jane Wayne, <laughs> oh, the picture you're showing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Neelix runs the mess hall. Yes.
3: And he's a right. old school actor from mm-hmm. Benson. Way back in the day. From Benson? Yeah. yeah, he was on Benson. Oh yeah.
0: He's in a bunch of stuff. Okay. Um Yeah, okay. I this this was definitely an odd Voyager episode to start Grant out with, but the you uh, the should reason really watch
1: the, ne- the 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 immediately following episode. I'm is not really I'm good. not
0: following you <laughs> for it anymore, guys. Stop trying
2: to trick me into watching <laughs> yeah. these things. The re- I want to watch Discovery and Beyond. This That's episode
0: it. is an outlier, obviously, because it's yes. about other crew members that we never meet, and, and the reason we watched it because we're preparing for lower decks. But what do you guys think we can? pull out from this that we might see from lower decks, because obviously the um, the creator of lower decks is a huge Trek fan. Um, I don't remember his name. Uh, Maybe somebody in the comments does, but he runs the uh, the TNG season eight Twitter feed, which is hilarious. And if you, if you read that feed, you know, this guy knows everything about Trek in and out. So he's definitely studied.
1: Mike McCain. Yes. Mike Mahan. Sorry.
0: He's definitely studied the uh, Lower Decks episode he's definitely studied this one. Um what do you think somebody like that might pull out from this episode um for to expand upon in Lower Decks the uh the animated series.
3: Well, I, I would say there's this interesting um dichotomy between the kind of the super duper senior staff and this and it's it's not even kind of the next, like, the next elite junior officers. We're looking at kind of like the, I don't want to say the bottom of the barrier, but maybe the middle of the road. And there is this everyday kind of life that we'll get a chance to look at. And it's going to be funnier and more comical because they're not so focused on becoming the next captains, right? Like they're going to, I think th- what we see is as this group that has their idiosyncrasies and they're kind of going through and they're not necessarily focused on, you know, how do I rise to the top? Th- I think that's what we're going to see in lower decks. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think even just from the clip we, we saw today, you can see, you know, Tawny Newsom's character is the one who's maybe a little bit more, more freewheeling even in the previews, you know, we see her sort of messing with the shield as it goes up and down on the, um,
0: blast shield,
1: last shield. Um, you know, I think these are probably more carefree characters. You know, I think we get these archetypes in older Trek. And so I think we'll see some of these personality traits. Like I hope we get someone who's the hypochondriac. Cause I think it's really funny, especially when you consider like all the space diseases that could be out there. Um, And then you have the Jack Quaid character who obviously wants to move forward and and has these ideals of becoming a captain but probably has some major character flaws that are going to stop him from doing that. Or maybe he's the one who has to stay up all night and doesn't do very well on aptitude. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun to see how they pull some of these... I also think there's going to be a lot of Easter eggs. I think the, Mm -hmm. the Trekkies... Mm -hmm. going into this are going to get a lot of Easter eggs that are going to be really fun. And then the plot lines, I think are going to be much easier for non Trekkies to, to jump into.
0: I think so too. Uh, Joopy has a great comment here Uh, on this episode, Billy and Celeste seemed like real lean on each other buddies. And I think you'll see that kind of relationship among the main characters. I did like
3: their relationship where she could
1: call them in the middle of the night. Yeah. From under the blanket. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: It, I think it was also interesting that normally when we see something like that, we're we're about to watch like a romantic situation, and what we mm-hmm. got was just real friendship. And I'm hoping that we get more of that on Lower Decks too. But it's not necessarily always about kind of the romantic interest. But we're seeing f- like genuine friendship over the course of of the the, the series.
2: I I definitely think that when we think of Star Trek, when I think of Star Trek, I should not make that generalization. I I think of the adventure of being in space, of, of getting into battles and negotiating crazy trade deals or stumbling upon something strange and crazy and wonderful. But there's a more practical side to running a ship that flies through space, the more mundane office space business kind of level aspect, which is you have to manage other people in order to make this sort of operation function. And this episode does delve into that. And I think in an interesting way that perhaps we don't, uh, I haven't seen as much of the managerial overhead until we've done these kind of uh, lower deck explorations. So seeing that Janeway has to put on the manager hat and guide a few of these, um, m- misfit, uh, people on this ship, seeing a uh, Picard have to use, some kind of messed up dickish tactics to, uh, bring that one girl out of her shell and be like, yeah, you need to stick up for yourself kind of thing. Um, it, it that is something i'm hoping we're going to see a little bit more of especially since it does seem to be that lower decks has the the main focus on the lower decks characters but you do see who the the central command characters are and there does seem to be some interplay of of interaction so i'm hoping it will be like this kind of guidance the, this this grooming of of seeing your potential and trying to help move you in that direction for people or if you're a little bit more lost, like the characters in this episode, trying to either elicit the best qualities in you or steer you in a new direction that you need to, to go in.
0: Yeah. This was a really good Janeway episode in that sense that she was a great leader. She, um, she was definitely um, stern with some of these lower decks folks uh, here and there, but she she came off as very accessible to them, and she she was a leader, but she was um, she got on their level and was really human with them. And she just provided a really solid anchor for these characters throughout all these hardships and for the episode. I'm glad she was front and center in it, unlike the lower decks episode where all the uh, the main cast members kind of fall into the background.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing that's smart about um, Lower Decks, the the animated show, they've lowered the stakes a little bit. So the main mission of the ship is second contact. So they're not out exploring new worlds. They're the paperwork ship. And so I think the mundaneness of it all is going to provide some decent comedy moments because even though, you know... um, even though Mortimer was the least likable character, I think the the few sort of comical moments we had in this episode came from him because we already don't like him. So when he gets the plasma to the face because our because Billy isn't paying attention, you know, like that's funny. <laughs> um, we see him being so arrogant about his calculations when when Tom Paris looks at his computer, and uh, and and Tom is. Does, is reading the same gibberish we're all reading. Um, if you're not a mathematician, <laughs> and and so I like that there are those small moments because when you have an unlikable, arrogant character, I think it's easier to sort of weave in some humor when you're when you're having interactions with the more likable characters.
0: We have a question from Marge. Uh, do you think Janeway was arrogant in her deter- in her determination to be the shepherd?
1: I mean, I think it's not as arrogant because it's so much farther removed from this, like, from reverence of, of a biblical sense, if if that makes any sense, right? Like, right now, if you were like, I'm going to be a good shepherd, there's still a lot of ties to, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Essentially, Religion doesn't really exist anymore in this world. And so I think using it as like fables becomes easier uh, to explain rather than it being like, I'm going to be Jesus. It's more like I'm going to use this as an example to well, get across the Well, it's more like tending a
2: herd of, of sheep, right? right? Like the that kind of shepherd. And yes. I mean, I, I think that's it's good to kind of examine like, Hey, your, your leadership, the buck stops with you. It, it's interesting as well in how this parallels the, um, the TNG episode in that, like, I felt Riker was kind of doing a little bit more of, of interaction and engagement with people. than I, I felt Picard was except for that one girl where you like, he makes her feel uncomfortable until she has to defend herself. Um, it, 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 so, you know, seeing the actual captain step in, I don't know. This is the only, the second thing I've seen Kate Mulgrew do. I remember uh, loving her in Orange is the New Black is Red. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. That was an accent. <laughs> but uh, I, I um, yeah, I, I thought she is a very commanding presence. And there's something kind of reassuring about her. I, I don't know if I was sold completely on a lot of her in this episode, but I wasn't sold on pretty much everyone in this episode. Um, uh, but I, I like I like her trying to help these people.
3: Yeah, sure. I, I didn't think it was arrogant because I thought she was being a coach and captain, trying to say, hey, I got three people who, you know, in our senior staff, my senior staff is saying, hey th- – these guys are, to quote Mariah, the problem children. Maybe I can help, right? It was like, hey, this is my team. I'm going to get in there, and maybe all they need is just a little bit of attention from the coach. Um, and I think there was a, a moment in there where even she started to look and go, what the hell did I do? Like, <laughs> maybe, maybe they are hopeless.
0: Grant has just put up a, a wonderful Photoshop on the video that shows Janeway's, thing. the back of Janeway's head. Yes. And She's uh, walking
1: over her flock,
0: <laughs> the back of Janeway's head and the three misfit crew members heads floating in silhouettes over the rings of Saturn. Perhaps. Oh,
2: I found, I found a number of these. There's some with quotes. <laughs> <These> are, <laughs> they're looking pretty sweet. I remember these. Uh, I think Mariah said, Oh, did these come from a GeoCities website? <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> oh, stuff. wow. Very bad. Um, You know, both Clyde and Mike were talking about liking this scene where you see this tablet travel from the upper decks to the lower decks.
0: They don't have email.
2: That's what I want to bring up. This (laughs) this was the, the show started in 95. I looked it up. This should have come out around 2001. There is no excuse for them. Not to have a quick shorthand way of instantaneous communication with that guy downstairs, especially since the dude who brought the tablet to him, showed it to his face, and he went, oh, cool, type, 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 done. (laughs) <laughs> like if if you need to manually bring something to someone, don't have it be a tablet. Rewrite that little story plot so that he had to bring a special screwdriver or whatever mm. thingamajig that mm-hmm. he actually needed to functionally adjust something. Because the tablet makes no technological sense anymore and it just seems I don't know. It was insulting.
1: <laughs> was, it is strange, but I wonder if it has to do with what these crew members have access to be able to change compartmentalization
2: you know I mean? of information. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah.
1: Cause I think, you know, like from the Brit on Voyager from the bridge, you can do just about anything. So I think if you are a bridge member, you can kind of access or do whatever you want, minus some physical things in engineering with which Torres always takes care of. But okay. Um, so yeah, my, my theory is it's like, you don't trust these people with uh, (laughs) dangerous amounts of data. So you have to give it to them in small amounts.
0: I thought it would have been funnier if it was just like a really long game of of telephone where Janeway (laughs) gives the order. And by the time it gets to him, it just, it's it's completely different. Yeah. Uh, Grant to that point. um, Dennis McElwain says that we should show you year of hell parts one and two choice those are two voyager episodes in which a lot of the technology of voyager gets blown up um and it's pretty much this episode it's kind of like a time loop episode and it's probably the darkest uh episode of voyager uh or arc of voyager ever and it is pretty cool they're actually going to do a whole season of this how does it compare to discovery's time loop episode uh it's a lot darker is it better I haven't seen it in years. I just know that some really (laughs) hardcore shit happens.
1: I don't know. It Um, depends on how you define better. Like, I think the plot is just as interesting. Obviously the special effects are not going to be as cool or as slick or as good looking anymore, but um, you know, and the, the acting might not be as nuanced as we're used to now, but still solid.
2: Um, I, uh, I define better objectively. Like, everyone just has a universal this <laughs> better about all shows. And they know Voyager's just... N- well, I'm for kidding, nostalgia
1: purposes. I but you like, guys
2: you guys did decide that this would be my first Voyager. <laughs> so.
1: I didn't realize it was going to be your first Voyager, or else I would have done some deeper digging to find an episode that could somehow connect to Lower Decks from Voyager. All of these have been my
2: firsts. You guys have... have Tricked me into watching all of the shows. I'm I <laughs> anticipating you guys are going to somehow make me watch this Enterprise show. So, um, and the no, only thing I know about no, that is won't. it has the best theme song ever. Don't do it. Don't. It's been a
0: long
2: time.
0: Yes getting from
2: there here. you paused way too long i was like are you not gonna do it, <laughs> yeah, it was i was hoping i, was
0: I like, almost didn't maybe, do it
3: maybe.
0: <laughs> but it is true we we got you to watch one of the best episodes of star trek ever far beyond the stars that is objectively great
3: yes
2: but it's um, weird
0: because it's an outlier episode isn't it, it it is yeah okay um
2: all of these are
0: <laughs> yeah well you basically have been watching outliers based on the themes that the world today has presented to us because we're in I a wonder, strange year. Grant <laughs>
2: was, was the, um, the Jordy and Worf one. Was that called the other?
0: Was that one? Uh, the ally, enemy. Or is that a little bit more the enemy? That was, that the was enemy. more in line with TNG. Yeah.
1: I think we should. So, um, I could, Oh man, there's so many good hollow deck episodes on Ooh, Voyager stop, and a big is, plot no. point on lower decks. <laughs> is apparently going to be the holodeck is like mm. a big thing. It was like the only spoiler. They sort of let pass the, the bleeps today on that panel. Mm. So I'm thinking That's we cool. should watch the Voyager two-parter where there are the Nazi aliens on the holodeck.
3: <laughs> oh, I saw that episode of sliders. <laughs> hey, Grant, I've got a <laughs> box it. set called the captain's log. And it's like the best episodes or the favorite episodes for each one of the original like four or five captains. So it's got Kirk, uh, Picard, Janeway, and Sisko, Mm -hmm. um, and Archer. So uh, if you ever want to kind of check out a box set, you can check them out. I got
2: one question. What is a box
0: set? (laughs) (laughs) Just a set of boxes that you... uh, put your trash it's in a, s- <laughs>
2: a set of dvds man <laughs> honest truth i don't own a dvd player <laughs> i don't have one i have man. nothing i can only watch stuff that's digital now
0: so you don't have of- a playstation
2: no i mm-hmm. lent it to someone and they never gave it back
0: oh sorry uh i'll take it back <laughs> next week someone <laughs> i
2: see
1: it right there in the background in fact <laughs> no
3: <laughs> you see nothing <laughs> These are
1: never mind. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right, Well yeah, do we, do, uh, we want to watch holodecks next week?
0: <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't picked uh, what we're doing next week. Oh Have no, we.
1: let's just
2: let's talk. You about know, there's
0: another TNG episode. The uh, there's shit. another Voyager episode <laughs> so that is kind of a lower decks episode. It's one where Tuvok is training a bunch of like shitty cadets.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, there's also a good uh, Jerry Ryan episode where she is teaching all the new little uh Borg, Baby Borg. Little baby Borgs. Yeah. And they have scheduled fun.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. Um, all right. So we're not sure what we're going to do next week.
1: Tell us in we'll the comments. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Tell us in the comments. Oh, Home Chickie says we should watch best Best of Both Worlds. That might be a good one to watch when Picard comes back. Mm-hmm. that's a really uh, really good one. kern also said
2: we should watch threshold for laughs, <laughs> targeting me i'm not really sure what that means but what wow is the-
0: do you guys remember threshold
2: Mm-mm.
0: objectively the worst episode of 90s star trek ever let's watch that one
2: no don't <laughs> quit putting me through this
0: it's really funny okay we'll decide off camera uh, are now off pod what to what to do next week but we are looking forward to lower decks that's why we watch these two episodes and i do think that they are going to inform what's coming uh,
3: sorry from i TNG just looked somewhere. up the
1: screenshot of threshold and i only had to see one image to you know what it was
3: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you got me curious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when
1: tom paris becomes a daddy but not in the way he oh, thought he would
0: no 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 <laughs> okay we're getting to the end sorry. of the episode I guess we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for joining the pod this week. Everybody remember uh, you can find us live on YouTube every Thursday talking track. And of course we'll be covering lower deck starting in August. Go to star to subscribe and to subscribe to our YouTube channel.
1: Do it. Also we are still taking donations through the end of the month to help provide funding to the okra project and the central Texas food bank. So you can donate To that fund by visiting donate.startrekpod.co. Again, that's donate.startrekpod.co.
2: And y'all have to listen to me pimp out our patreon.com thing every week. You know about it at this point. If you haven't done it yet, maybe you're just thinking, ah, today's the day. I'm going to go do it. I just need that reminder. Well, here's your reminder. Patreon.com slash star trek pod. Go there. Make that $2 an episode pledge. And thank you so much. We appreciate all the support.
3: And we just want to remin- remind all of you listeners to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Star Trek Pod. You can tweet about the episode. You can tell them how much we love Voyager. Yay! Um, also, I just want to shout out two people who help us so much. <laughs> the two people we couldn't do this without you—you, you, Karen, who helps run our Twitter, James Worm, who helps out on our Insta. Thank you guys. All
0: right. Thanks again for joining us tonight. And Clyde, where can we follow you online? And hear more from you.
3: You can find me at Clyde Haynes and on the web at www.keyandclyde.com. That's K E I and Clyde.com.
0: What about you, Mariah?
1: Hi, I'm at Mariah Gossett on all social platforms. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's.
0: Grant, where can these people troll you? At Baron Von, at Mike M. Garcia <laughs> <laughs> for trolling, all trolling at baron von grant follow me on twitter at mike m garcia live long and prosper